Hi, folks. How are you?、Uh, how's the start of your 2022 so far? Hope you are safe and well and able to step back into life, work in whatever way, shape, or form that is for you that makes you feel safe、um, and happy. It is lovely to be here for another week, bringing you another episode of my podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to it. I really appreciate it.、Um, and I don't normally ask for much, but I'm gonna today because, as many people say, if you don't ask, you don't get. We don't have a kind of marketing budget. We don't, we're not part of a big platform or a big, big broadcaster. And we really do rely on word of mouth for this podcast, for word to get out about it, if you like it. And so we、um, rely on you spreading the word, telling your friends, leaving us a review, rating us, leaving us a comment, spreading the word on your social media. So if you felt like doing any of those, we would be. We, being Ben and I, would be eternally grateful. So, thank you very much in advance. If you find the time to tweet about us, Instagram about us, or leave us a comment or rate us,、um, thank you in advance. But our latest episode, I'm so excited about this one, and I had so much fun catching up with this gentleman because it's a welcome return to Nicholas Brutel. The hugely talented Nicholas Brutel, who's with us this time to discuss、um, a couple of things, in fact, his score for Adam McKay's Don't Look Up. Uh, heading up the extraordinary cast of this film is Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, who are astronomers attempting to warn mankind about an approaching comet that will destroy civilization. And then the film is about how us Earthlings react to that. It is so brilliant. But fair to say, the film has, well, strongly divided opinions, but I am definitely in the camp of I loved it. I thought it was so clever and saying so much under the cloud of comedy、uh, or under. The Comet of Comedy. See what I did there?、Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, Nicholas is going to talk about that, and I'm sure a lot of you will have gorged and enjoyed the third season of Succession, which just as I'm recording this, picked up、uh, a couple of Golden Globes, one of those being the best、uh, TV drama. So, well done to Team Succession. But we'll begin with one of Nicholas's cues from Don't Look Up. This is C5 Galaxy. Seeing your face, I wish it was in、oh、person. I know, I know, I know. It's so nice being able to see you in person at one yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, we will get another cup of tea one day. Will happen, I promise. <laughs> it will definitely happen.、Oh, hopefully, hopefully next year, maybe. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I'm good.、Uh, it's been busy, you know, it's、yeah. crazy, crazy year for everybody.、Um, and、uh, we've been doing this. <laughs> 
move with studios and trying to build a new studio but then we it's a long story we had like a crazy when hurricane ida came through my whole like roof leaked and everything and we've had a whole climate change coming home to roost oh wow (laughs) you've had like the kind of I don't know, the, the, the sort of the ghost of Don't Look Up hovering above. No, literally, you. while we were like doing the movie, there was like a storm coming through my roof. And I was like, Adam, <laughs> very anxious right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Last, last time we spoke, we kind of, um, I, I sort of said to you, I remember saying to you, I was like, oh, and I can't wait till we can talk about this, you know, the next Adam film that you work on. It feels like he yeah. has got basically everybody you know in this film and he quite he clearly does who all are amazing oh my gosh but you were I think you you said that you were just starting to talk to him about it at that time um and here we are and wow it's so good (laughs) it's a big one I don't know where to start (laughs) there's so I know there's so much you know there's so much in it and so much went into it really we talked about it for a long time and then working on it through the pandemic, well, which mm-hmm. we're still in, but, you know, through the early, let's say the early phases of the pandemic. And then, um, you know, also the songs too, that was a whole other component of the process as well. There was, I wrote, actually, I mean, just at, at the very beginning, I mean, I actually wrote a piece for Adam. He asked to have a piece of music that he could play for the actors on set. I started out by writing a piece, um, I called it the overture to logic and knowledge. It was this kind of idea, this sort of, you know, trying to imagine that sound of, of reverence for science and rationality, sort of higher aspirations of mankind, that kind of idea. And then what's the opposite of that sound as well for later. Wow. <laughs> um, but I wrote that piece and he, it, he played it while, um, while they were shooting some of the, uh, the telescope sequences early in the early parts of the movie. That was sort of a starting point of this this idea of of a reverence for science and a reverence for ideas and knowledge. And then at the same period of time, I was also starting to work on Just Look Up because that was we knew that was going to be this huge sequence in the film. It was actually you know it's a concert in the movie mm-hmm. um, between Riley Bina played by Ariana Grande, Grande. And, and DJ Cello played by Kid Cudi, and um, that was a whole process too. You know, in the sense of figuring out that song but also then you know writing it recording it they performed it live dozens of times you know and we and we actually shot that in that was shot in boston and uh and then also the post-production of everything so there were so many so many things to talk about (laughs) let's talk about the the um the track the pop tracks really first of all then because 
when you think what I think about it, going, God, that must have been so much fun. Was it? Did you write? You wrote with them, with Ariana Grande and yeah. Kid Cudi, and great. It was such a blast. It was, um, I think, one of the most wonderful things, and we've talked about this. You know, I mean, one of the most wonderful things about film is that it is such a collaborative art form, and I think, especially in the music side of film. In the best situations, it really can enable these kind of wonderful collaborations and connections that you might not otherwise have. Uh, and, you know, when Adam first told me about the song, I remember reading about it in the script. And there's this moment where it's really uh, it, his challenge to me was, you know, he always gives me these sort of fascinating <laughs> challenges where he's like, he's like, hey, we need to write this song. And it's 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 got to start out as a love song. You know, it's a love song mm-hmm. between Riley Bean and DJ Shallow, but it has to turn into a song about how we're all going to die and it's the end of the world. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, sure. no, no problem. No problem. You know, so how do we how do you do that? And the key question is sort of how do you do that while not breaking the song? Because the song isn't a joke. And I think that's the underlying essence of the film, too. It's funny, but it's not a joke. You know, it's quite serious in what it is trying to say and um, what it is very, very powerfully trying to sort of shape evil into feeling. And um, so, you know, I, I initially I wrote these chords out and wrote this kind of idea. And I had this melody for the Just Look Up chorus that was sort of, you know, Just Look Up. So it's kind of this going upward kind of melody. And I showed it to Adam and he said, it's fantastic. Uh, and I went to go work with Ariana in her studio. It was pretty amazing because I came in there with just this sort of piano concept and I played it for her on the piano there. And about 30 seconds later, she was like, can I go into the booth and just try some stuff out? I was like, of course, absolutely. Let's, you know, we're here, let's play around stuff. She went into the booth and immediately recorded the entire top line vocal of the song just from having heard this like 30 wow. seconds. Um, it was one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. And and not just recorded it, like recorded it as it, it was there. And yet we didn't have lyrics. So she, you know, she just sort of, she vocalized this whole song and then actually improvised some of these, like, you know, cause we're all going to die soon, everybody. In the, you know, second half of the song. And I brought it back to Adam and he was just like, oh my God, you know, this is incredible.
so at that point, I had reached out to Kid Cudi because actually I had met Cudi a couple years ago um, through Timothy Chalamet, um, a mutual friend. And I had told him about the idea for this song. And also I was working, I had already been working with Tara Stinson on a few projects and I reached out to Tara about doing the lyrics because it's a real challenge. How do you figure out how do you figure this out <laughs> to, get the, to get that tone right? You like absolutely, you're about, yeah, totally, absolutely, and and just you know, creating a sincere love song where it doesn't get the key is that this can't feel like a joke. It has to be funny, but not a joke. I guess that's a lot of the concept here. And she nailed it. It was basically like first pass. She sent these lyrics over, and the song was lyrically basically there. Um, I'd like no notes on it, and uh, then went back to work with Ariana. She recorded all these lyrics, um, uh, finished that, then brought it to Cuddy as this sort of fully, kind of fully realized demo, except for his hip hop yeah. section in the middle. And he had a very strong instinct of what he wanted to do and how he wanted to say it. Um, so he wrote the, his own lyrics there, recorded it. We put it all together. Then they shot it in, you know, in Boston on set. And then in post, actually, it was this other question, which really gets into kind of the filmmaking side of it in the sense of editing. Like, how yeah. does this concert live inside of the movie? Yeah. What, how do you get into the song? What do you do? Do you just show the whole concert? You know, or as they did, as Hank Corwin, our amazing editor, and Adam did, you know, they, they cut it, intercut it between, you know, images of these other rallies going on. And, and then actually in post on the production side of it with the music, I took what the demo I had made and recorded for example in the final chorus the those are strings that are the whole orchestra of strings i recorded in london you know so so i i basically worked on that song for about a year <laughs> wow It's a long time. A, long, a lot goes in. You know, I think it's, it's uh, ideally no one ever has to, you know, you never want to feel how much work went into something you hopefully yeah. feel. It just feels oh, natural. Yeah. But, but this movie, there were so many things that really we put so much time and effort into. There's so much amazing moments musically in this film. I mean, Thank there's you. this, the whole kind of big band kind of, as I, I was, I watched a really interesting piece of, of interview that you did this morning when I was kind of just looking at bits and bobs to chat to you. And I really loved hearing you talk about the kind of construction of that yeah. and this whole notion of, you know, the kind of World War II big, big band thing and that kind of swing sort of thing. Yeah. And and I love all the different instrumentation and that, the trumpet and how you talk about, yeah. you wanted, you said to him, just blow as hard as you can. I don't care if it's not the right note. And how almost you how the imperfections make it even better and more powerful.
the whole discussion around why was that the right kind of sonic accompaniment to the narrative um, yeah. for, for you and Adam? Is that a question? That's a great question because that, okay. that's kind of the core question of, I feel, the whole movie in a sense, which is each of these projects that I've had the you know, honor and pleasure you know, of working with Adam on, you know, starting with the big short, actually, uh, each of these projects is sort of a very fascinating tonal question. Um, and each has their own tonal equation in a way. You know, I mean, I remember when we did the big short, people talked about it as a, a docudramedy. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, so, okay, it's very specific. You made your own genre up. Genre. <laughs> so, you know, and if we think of things like succession, you know, where I'm doing this sort of mixture of absurdity and gravitas, you know, these two yeah. uh, with, with don't look up. It was its own different e- equation where there's this, you know, kind of breakneck comedy happening. It's big, huge comedy. And yet there's a truly profound, meaning here uh you know and 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 a hopefully not so subtle metaphor with climate change and what's mm-hmm. really going on in the world so balancing those forces how do we you know what's that sound of ever increasing astonishment at how crazy things are i guess that's the question like what is that sound and it was not obvious at all you know i was in i was in the edit room with hank and adam and i was just you know i was trying to figure that out and at one point i remember and this is the maybe the benefit of being in the room with people and, and, and having those kind of conversations and experimenting together where I was having this conversation with Adam, where I said, you know, you know, it, you know, something like, it feels like, you know, like this is like world war two, but we're going to lose. And I was like, you know, what would it sound like actually, if we like, what what if there was like this sort of like, you know, mid 20th century big Mm -hmm. band that was just sort of out of control. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so I started playing with that kind of idea of this sort of big band sound, but making it absurd, you know, putting a toy piano in it and a, a far too loudly mixed banjo and like, you know, three I heard pianos. a mandolin in there as well, I think. There's a mandolin in there. <laughs> there's there's chelestas. There's a bass saxophone that's just huge in the mix. You know, there's two drum kits. You know, there's just everything, basically. And... I played around with it and we put it up against uh, the main title and it just kind of synced in a way. those those wonderful things that you just can't plan for you don't know you don't know until you do it is yeah. i think the answer you just don't know until you do it so so a lot of this is just experimenting but when something feels right it does it does have a different character feeling i think where you're like oh you know and i think the most yeah. exciting thing with that music was actually because i was in the edit with them they then were like oh that's that's the feeling 
And then they went back into the cut and they were, you know, Adam talked to me about how he felt that was, it was this helpful thing of like, oh, that's a feeling we want, you know, this feeling of like, we're, (laughs) we're kind of out of control and we're sort of like astonished at how out of control things are, you know, because I think that sort of feels like the world, at least to me in a way, you know, (laughs) every year you're kind of like, Really? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. like, I, I guess you know, don't we like, learn by and, now? <laughs> you know, like and and it's and it's not just astonishment at the reality of the world. I think it's also astonishment at sort of the way that people are handling things too. And I think that's a lot of the movie is this idea of will we have Absolutely. the ability to deal with our problems in a rational way? The issue that the movie really tries to grapple with there's the. The, 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 the concept that this is the six month window that we we're seeing it as, okay, there's six months. So it becomes almost like a short term problem. And Adam and I talk about this a lot that like, sometimes it feels like we're better able to solve these short term problems than these really long term problems because the short term ones are right in your face, you know, mm, but yeah. ultimately so many of these big issues that we face are these, these long term issues that may actually be more short term than we realize. Yeah. That's the thing is we don't have a date, you know, it's not like, guys we've got two years right like we don't know it's like how much have we fucked up the world and how long have we got we don't know Uh, we don't know but it's probably (laughs) sooner than we think is the problem you know and it's and i think it's ever increasingly an issue it's non-linear you know yeah the same that, that one of the issues with COVID has been that because it's exponential it will rise and increase so much faster than you know, than, than the normal human uh, anticipation is, you know, when yeah. things are exponential, exponential is, is a very fast rate. It's ever increasingly fast, you know? Um, so anyway, so that was, that was kind of trying to figure out the feeling of that and yeah. the feeling of things running away from your ability to handle them. And that was counter counterpoint with that feeling of uh, logic and knowledge and, you know, mm-hmm. reverence for science that I had done in that first piece. So there were these sort of two poles that we were working with. Thank you. 
And there was a third element that came into play, which was the idea of the bash communications music, you know, Isherwell's theme. And that's kind of the idea of um, uh, the corporate world, corporate money kind of invading everything and perhaps changing the course of human events in its own way. So one of the things we did was the my theme for Bash uh, for the company, the corporate ident is like yeah. everywhere in the movie. I wrote all the commercial music. All the phone rings are this little musical insignia. Wow. Uh, it's all, you know, so all that, even the telephone hold music I wrote, you know, I wrote everything in that. So that's a whole range of, uh, <laughs> whole range of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I know that kind of that there's a there's a loose sort of uh, inspiration on a on an existing global company, uh, you know, the, in, a, the, in a light loose in a light loose way. But I love the fun side of being able to creatively give us an idea of what it sounds like. I love that. I love that idea. And because Mark Rylance is amazing. Oh, I mean, all the performances in this are. I mean, every time I think of Jennifer Lawrence. That's why I've been giggling every now and again because I just keep thinking of her it's in certain moments in the film and she just makes me laugh so much because she's so fantastic in this film. And um, I watched the thing with her where she was talking about basically three quarters of the stuff that Jonah says in the film wasn't in the script. It's just him kind of like riffing and ad-libbing yeah. and just having a lot of that. it. They did a lot. They And they, Meryl, they, I heard as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. They all, I remember Adam just telling me while they were shooting, he was just, he would just say how incredible the whole cast was just constantly playing around, you know, and exploring things and riffing and, 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 you know, Adam really from, from his improv days, you know, yeah. uh, he has this incredible skill of, he does it himself. I mean, you know, when you, when you hang with Adam, he's doing bits constantly, yeah. but He's also so, you know, as a director, I think he's a, he knows how to get the best of people in that way, especially with their improvising on things. When we've talked in the past, one of the things that I thought was incredible, I remember you said when we talked about Field Street Could Talk was the idea that if someone like the Regina character, if someone else had played that part, it would have been a very different, you know, the score would have been different because it's based on so much of the performances inspired what you wrote for, for the score for that. And and this feels kind of almost a bit bigger in a way in terms of it's it's not so kind of personal to the individual. It's more of um, more thematic around the ideals of the characters. I'm not mm. sure if that's fair to say or not. And that's not for everybody, but it kind of feels it's it's kind of you know you have that you have different groups within the film who have different beliefs and different ways of kind of 
And it's almost like each kind of group has its own sort of sonic sounds in a way. I don't know if that's fair or not. No, no, I think I think you're right. There's every project has its own kind of, you know, both its sonic character, but also it's I think about it a lot where there are these feelings. Every yeah. project has its own kind of feelings. And in a way, they're almost like colors. You know, it's almost like yeah. there's like a certain <laughs> frequency of light or something, a certain wavelength that everything has. And mm. it's it's like almost like a fingerprint. Uh, I think this film has this sort of is fa- this sort of fascinating mixture of these things. And you're right that it's not I, I was never really writing themes about particular characters. I would say the music is really more about ideas. It's really more about the whole thing of it. Yeah. About, the science. Uh, it the is. Kind of, yeah, about yeah. these big, big capitalized sort of ideas. Yeah. And um, and that, you know, and I, I think the closest I came to a more character theme was the Bash communications ideas, you know, because that yeah. Isherwell is sort of very linked with that. But even there, it's about the relationships of these characters within this big story. the changes that happen are very much orchestrational, instrumentational, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in different places, something might be very, you know, I used Farfisa organs and electronics in some places, in other places it might be orchestra, in other places it might be the big band, you know, so things take on different guises with where they are sometimes. But you're you're right that the I think the ideas on this are very grand scale ideas and in a way too inspired to some extent by uh, Adam he he actually named his production company Hyper Object, um, which is this idea it's this it's a word for like a philosophical concept of an object an idea that is yeah. so that is so big it's actually hard for us to wrap our heads around it so a hyper object is something like for example climate change is a hyper object because the the full scope of climate change is is virtually impossible for us to really comprehend yeah 
what it is. And yeah. so I think, you know, there's, there's some inspiration in that idea in a way for this movie, the idea that like, we're, I'm trying to almost like figure out these feelings or these, these sounds for these ideas that are very difficult for us, I think, to, to grasp in our daily lives. I know, you know, I think that's one of the hardest things about them actually is that, you know, it's, it's, they're so, some of these ideas are so crazy that you, you almost don't, you don't want to think about I got to live my life. I can't think about this right now. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. This relationship you have with Adam that you've worked over, you know, a number of films and stuff. It's so exciting because each project is so different, you know, and it's just, and and for us as kind of film fans and music fans, it's just, it just delivers on, on such a great scale. It's so exciting to see kind of where that goes, goes next as well. I've got to talk to you about Succession. Oh, Okay. <laughs> uh, and again, when we last spoke, you were like, I've read the script, wait until you see what's happening. <laughs> and I feel, though, that kind of more and more so, I mean, all the music's incredible, but that's, that theme, it's just become this kind of, um, it morphs into this giant beast and it's just so important. And it says so much about the show. And you kind of hear it and it sends tingles down your spine, you know, at the start and at the end kind of thing as well. It's, and I wondered whether how much you, you know, from season to season, has there been more work to do? Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm actually very, it's, it's funny. Like I think, you know, each season is really this wonderful new opportunity in a way to get to explore this, this kind of harmonic universe that I first started in season one with. I think actually in some ways it's more and more it's more and more complex and more and more fun. I mean, I feel so lucky to get the chance to do this kind of thing over these seasons where, you know, it's a rare opportunity to have this incredible writing, these incredible performances, you know, in this whole oh. team. And to be able to write music for this and really Jesse Armstrong is so open and mm. so supportive and really lets me, you know, have at it in a lot of senses, like I, you know, we talk at the beginning of each season and we have these conversations where I sort of, you know, I, I read some of the scripts and we talk with him and this is, mm-hmm. this is very early on. And we, we've sort of stuck with this, at least for me, this sort of inspiration where each season is kind of its own movement of a classical symphony in a way where each season, you know, let's say the first movement is almost like an allegro second move. Second season was, was this sort of melancholic, almost like a Daggio, like Kendall's, going through his thing, you know, and, and uh, 
season three, for me, the initial idea was this kind of third movement, like scherzo movement, where it's sometimes a little, maybe it's in three, four time, maybe it's a little bit off kilter, maybe there's some winding kind of stuff happening. Everyone's vying for power in their own ways after this sort of bomb goes off at the end of season two. So for season four, I haven't, Obviously, I haven't read anything. I don't know anything. Um, but but the idea that would that this might be a, the fourth movement of a symphony, you yeah. know, and what that is, it's been it's been an interesting framework to think through. And and Jesse on season three, you know, I played him some of these ideas. Actually, I played them for him a, a while ago. I played them before the pandemic because we were initially going to shoot season three last year. Yeah, and uh, so I played him these ideas, and then was starting to figure out what to do with them. And then everything got paused, um, but came back to them when we were able to start working again on it. And uh, season three was a blast. I mean, getting to really, I think at this point, it's like, there's, there's so much, there's so much that I've written, I guess, over the past three seasons now that when I was starting in on the, on the third season, you're able to kind of go off and, 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 and veer in different directions and kind of try things out in a way. And then what I love more than anything is this sort of, you go somewhere and then you kind of wink back or you loop back yeah. where you sort of say, Nope, but we're still, still the right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we're still here. You know? So I think that's a lot of fun musically to, to do that and know that we're doing that. That kind of rehearsal performance that Kendall gives in the third season for his birthday party, when he sings, that little rehearsal piece is just like, it was heartbreaking. It's kind of like, uh, it's great voice as well. He's got as well. It was kind of like, wow, I smashed it. But it's really, you know, that, that was a, that was outside of the score side of things. That was just a kind of like, you know, he's had a few musical moments. Kendall has, that's an interesting little kind of arc as well in terms of the musical choices and mm-hmm. the musical performances, even that that character's had as well. Yeah, Kendall does have his own, he has his own musical identity in the show. And and in some ways, his right from the pilot, his, his, his on-camera musicality was an inspiration to me, the idea that he was rapping to the Beastie Boys in, in episode one. That <laughs> was one of the things when I first saw those dailies, you know, and first saw this happening... That was one of the things that got me thinking, okay, this hip hop element could be an interesting, an interesting concept to explore for, for Kendall and for the show. Yeah. finish how much does the how much do you change or do you change the theme from season to season the opening theme yeah in the, in the titles yeah so the only the only changes that we do it, it, it doesn't change it doesn't change it, the only thing that that occasionally we do is there the way that we get into it sometimes episode to episode i have this sort of intro version mm-hmm. uh which which i released on the season two album 
uh, there's this kind of big beat intro that starts. On, on the story and depending on what's happening in the episode, sometimes we'll have a lead-in, which is part of the track, you know, but yeah. but we'll do the lead-in version. But that's those are the versions. I mean, besides the, you know, 4,000 variations I do within the score. <laughs> you know, besides that, um, I yeah. would say the, uh, the, the the title itself is is the title. We, we, yeah. we very consciously don't change it, actually. Yeah. What's next? Are you, I mean, you're always so busy and there's there's seems to be loads of things kind of flying around. Do you know what's next? I do. I have a few things that I'm working on right now. Um, I'm actually working on, we have a new HBO series called Winning Time uh, that Adam uh, is producing about the Lakers in the 80s. Um, And um, I'm working on that. And um, I'm I'm very excited about that too. I'm actually co-composing and co-producing that with Robert Glasper. Oh, great. Huge. I'm a huge fan of of, of Robert's and... uh, and so I'm very excited about that. And um, I'm also right now also working on um, Benjamin Milpier uh, created a, a total reimagining of Carmen. And so oh. I've been working on that for many years and it's a complete reimagining. There's actually no Bizet. You know, it's a, it's a fully, a fully new kind of uh, conception of Carmen. Yeah. And so we've, uh, he, we've, we've finished that and I'm, I'm, I'm scoring that right now as well so. wow oh i can't wait to see that that sounds yeah. incredible listen we've run out of time it's always so lovely to chat to you and just love love hearing and seeing what you're doing as well it's been absolutely brilliant and it's been such a great year as well you know from underground railroad to cruella to you know what a great year to look up to succession so bravo sir <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Lori. It's so good to see you too. I really, we got it. We'll get that tea in London again. Absolutely. Like, ho- hopefully, 22. Hopefully, let's, 22. Let's get some scones on the go as well. Let's make it a full <laughs> afternoon tea with the, sam- the little tray with the sandwiches. And we'll the scones, go for yeah? it. Okay, yeah, great. Exactly. It's, on, it's on me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, happy so New talking. Year. Here's Same to 2022, you. Nicholas. And I look Amen. forward to seeing you. Thank you so much awesome. for your time, lovely. Thank you so much. See you later. Take care. Bye-bye.
From a score to Don't Look Up, that's There is a Comet, rounding off this latest episode of Sidetracking with the wonderful Nicholas Bratel. Always a pleasure, never a chore. My huge thanks to Nicholas for taking the time to talk to us. Don't Look Up is available to watch now on Netflix with all three seasons of Succession on Sky or Now TV. Head to edithbowman.com to hear my three previous conversations with Nicholas and all other episodes of the podcast. My website is also the place to subscribe and find links to Spotify with dedicated playlists for every show. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do subscribe to our YouTube channel too for Soundtracking Extra. In fact, after I finish this, I'm off to upload a plethora of wonderful guests for you to enjoy. Join us next week for another episode of my weekly podcast, Soundtracking, talking about film and music. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. (laughs) 